Hey there, welcome back to the advanced course in personal magnetism. We're going to be picking up from chapter five and we're gonna be going until we stop. Um, in other news, I think that this is actually a really good setup and a really good way of getting information across. Uh, I don't necessarily need to dilute myself in ideas and other things. I can just present them to you. You can make them what you want to make them. And that's basically the process, you know, I think it's a good give and take process in the sense that I give you this information and I get the discipline that comes in creating a podcast episode and making it a actual piece of content that is intended to, well, improve your life. If it improved mine, it can improve yours. So if you so choose to tap into it and make it your own progress. But yeah, let's just get right in. Um, chapter five, how to develop physical power. It is just as important for you to develop your body as it is for you to develop your mind. Most men break down just about the time that they begin to know something. If you want to be magnetic, you must keep your body in first class shape so that your breath will be sweet, your voice clear and strong, and a little exertion will not fatigue you. Make it a rule to devote a little time each day to physical development. Not once in a while, but each day. Before going to bed, ask yourself these questions. Have I exercised as I intended? Have I eaten as I should? Have I taken the breathing exercises and filled my lungs with fresh air? Always exercise near an open window. Deep breathing is the very foundation of good health. Have I had my bath today? Did I bathe every part of my body? It matters little whether you could use water or not. The best time for a cold bath is in the morning and a hot bath at night. Always dry your body thoroughly and then rub yourself with your hands. Have I sunned myself? Have I become excited and hurried myself unnecessarily? Have I taken sufficient drinking water? If we would write down these questions in a little book and the answers for a period of a month, we would find the habit that forms within them and would not have to think about them anymore. The subconscious self would see to it that we did it. Life is one big habit. You will find that all of our really strong magnetic men have taken particular care of the physical body. Chapter 6. How to Develop Magnetism by Self-Suggestion The habit of expecting great things of ourselves calls out the best that is in us. Whatever you undertake to do, make up your mind you are going to do it. Never say, I am going to try to do it, but say, I am going to do it. What success would an animal trainer have if he went into a cage of wild beasts shaking with fear or even with a slight fear saying to himself, I am going to conquer this beast if I can, but really, I don't believe I can do it. It's a pretty tough proposition for a man attempting to conquer a wild tiger from the jungles of Africa. There may be men who can do it, but I very much doubt that I can. He would soon be torn to pieces. An animal trainer must have bold courage. He must have a strong eye because you show it in your eyes if you are afraid. He must have confidence back of that eye because if he betrayed one bit of fear, the animal would instantly detect it in his eyes and he would probably be instantly killed. Whatever you undergo into, go into it with the same kind of confidence that an animal trainer has to have. A man cannot try with that determination which achieves success unless he actually believes he is going to get what he is working for or an approximation of it. It is far better not to engage in a thing if you feel in your heart you cannot do it. It is what we believe we can do that we accomplish or tend to do. 
Make up your mind you are going to make money and you can. But on the other hand, if a man starts out without believing he can make money, that one has to be unlucky or fall heir to it, he will never make very much money. Be sure you are right, then go ahead. This is an old maxim that can always be followed. Let nothing shake your decision, but make it a part of your very constitution. It is those with this kind of grit that succeed. What do the men who achieve great things possess that ordinary man does not? It is self-confidence. The man who has faith in what he undertakes is the one who succeeds. We meet persons that we recognize are powerful. It is their faith in themselves that makes us think so. We would not think so well of them if their words were full of doubts and fears, but they radiate power and thus win our confidence. The very first time we see them, we must not only believe in ourselves, but we must have others believe in us. We are very dependent upon the belief of others to carry out our plans. We must make them believe in our goods, that we can run a business, pay our bills, and many other things. This is one of those uses of power, personal magnetism. In this busy age, we do not have the time to thoroughly investigate another's ability. If he can make us believe that he can fill the bill, he gets the chance. The world accepts very largely a man's own estimate of himself until he forfeits its confidence. Two boys may grow up together. Both have the same opportunities, but one will suddenly branch out and leave the other far behind in the business world. What is the secret? The one had initiative and made up opportunities, while the other waited for the opportunity to come to him. No one will think more of you than you think of yourself. What you are is pictured in your appearance. If you think you are just ordinary, you will appear just ordinary. The way you impress yourself is the way you will impress others. You can cultivate any qualities you desire when you possess them. You will express them in your face and manner. You have to feel grand to look your best. Confidence is the very basis of all achievement. There is tremendous power in the conviction that we can do a thing. With confidence, there could be no miracles performed. Faith doubles our power and multiplies our abilities. Without it, we can do little. By faith, we can come in contact with the infinite power and learn the truth from the foundation of source. It has always been the secret of the great miracle workers that anything shall increase your confidence in yourself will increase your magnetism. Most of our men and women who really amount to anything have worked long for years and their efforts met with little encouragement and it seems as if there was no chance to realize their ambition. But they stuck to their task believing that in some way or another they would succeed. What would an inventor accomplish without faith? Many of them have worked years to perfect something. Often they have lived upon practically nothing so as to save the money necessary for experimentation. If it had not been for persistent effort, they would not have succeeded. A man came to me who had wealth, but no friends. He thought that no one cared for him, and they didn't. But there was a reason. He walked about as if he was a nobody. He thought he could do not the things that other people could. He always had an apologetic air and was constantly emphasizing his convictions. He did not expect much of himself, and neither did anyone else. I took hold of this man and showed him that the good things of this world were intended for him just as much as for anyone else. He soon saw that he began, and he began to think more of himself than others began to think more of him, and soon he was a completely changed man. What others think of us has a great deal to do with our place in life. The larger the faith we have in ourselves, the more we will accomplish. We are not limited. Remember, there is no inferiority or depravity about the man God made. The only inferiority in us is what we put in ourselves. 
Most of us are but a shadow of the man that we are patterned after. We think thoughts that carry us downward instead of upwards to the heights of superior realms. Self-depreciation is demoralization. Stand firmly upon your own ground. Don't act as if you were weak need. Assert your divinity and stand erect and look everybody squarely in the face. The trouble with most persons is that they have fostered their adverse qualities and have neglected to improve their good qualities. Don't be one of those, and I quote, also attended, end quote, but from this day on claim your birthright bodily is yours to boldly assure upon yourself and the confidence in yourself will associate you with your fellow men that will allow you to go about as if you are amounted to something. Cultivate a strong, vigorous, self-complacent, victorious air. Let other people follow you instead of following them. There is no reason why you should ever be trailing someone else. Your employer wants you to stand up like a man as though you were the equal of anyone. He does not like an employee who has an apologetic air. If you have something to say, approach him on the equality of manhood. Those who bow and act as if they were afraid to speak, he does not like. The leave it all to you employee never amounts to anything. The one who stands up for his rights and shows you that he expects to be treated like a man is treated like a man and forces to the front when an opening comes. I have taken many a timid, shy, sensitive, shrinking person and in a short time made him believe in himself. I just show him that he has all the latent possibilities that any man has, that he can become a man who will be looked up to instead of down upon. I teach him self-faith and in time all of his other qualities and his strength as well. Keep this ever before your mind. No man can be greater than he estimates of himself at the moment. There are men who are real geniuses, but they never amount to anything because they don't believe they are. A man may have all the ability he needs, but if he does not believe that he possesses the ability, he will not get results. Whatever you have a longing to do, a certainty within your air, the thing that you have the ability to do and do it. If you will just make up your mind to do it, the achievement will be sure. What you think you can do, dream you can do, you can do. Get in the habit of thinking that things are going to turn out right. Never think they are not. This is the secret of a successful man. They expect everything they undertake to turn out right, and it does. Despite discouraging indications, they hold tenaciously to their faith and turn defeat into success. It is a fact that keeping an expectant attitude attracts the things we long for. This is done in some occult way unknown to any save occultists. Occultists believe that we have guardian angels who help us when we are worthy of being helped. Whether this is the correct explanation or not, the fact remains that this is true. What you are looking for is results, and you certainly can get them if you believe you can and unwaveringly bend your efforts toward that end. You can wonderfully increase your ability by self-suggestion. There is nothing as harmful as discouraging self-suggestion, such as thinking that you are going to fail before you start. You can control your fate, your destiny. Don't think you were born unlucky or that fate is against you. It is very disastrous to think that way. It is impossible for success to come to you if you think you were born unlucky. If you think of failure and poverty, you are making an impression upon your subconscious and you can help to develop unfavorable conditions. You are making inevitable that which you should be fighting against. What we call fate or bad luck is mostly caused by our thoughts. 
on all sides you will see persons succeeding who no longer great or who no longer harbor greater ability than those who are failures you speak of them as being lucky that's all there is no mysterious power called destiny that helps you unless you do your part it is you yourself that is keeping you back you must have the right mental attitude you must demand your right we are all superb beings with infinite divine possibilities your creator is responsible for you you have within you your omnipotent possibilities. You have inherited divine qualities, but they need to be developed. It is possible for you to attract money, love, business, health, wisdom, harmony, happiness, strength, and anything else you wish. You have everything within you. You are vibrating centers of magnetic force and vitality. By your desire, belief, and will, you will attract the elements of all things that affect you. There is a tremendous creative production power in the perpetual rousing of the mind along the line of desire. It develops a marvelous power to attract the things you want. You can realize your highest desires now. To do this, you must become a conscious center of veritable force. Through vibration, you can change every undesirable thing of your environment and remove your weaknesses. Your thoughts are powerfully creative, and by constant thinking, you add a greater potency to the words you speak. Science tells us that no vibration ever ceases, but the influence goes on forever. By active vibratory power, you can improve your condition. Whatever you wish, think of that and never swerve from your desire. If you want to win the love of someone, never allow yourself to think you cannot. If you want prosperity, think prosperity and never of poverty. Act as if you were already prosperous. Dress as though you were. Make a mental picture of what you want to be and see it develop. By all means, be brave, courageous, fearless. Be afraid of nothing. If you are naturally timid and shy, suggest to yourself that there is no reason why you should be afraid of anything or anybody. Hold up your head and rouse your real manhood or womanhood. Throw back your shoulders, assert your birthright of power and equality. Look at yourself in the glass. If you think you have a weak face, you have one because you think it is weak. Think it is strong and you can make it strong. By a little daily practice, you can elevate courage and self-confidence and in a short time, you can build up your timid character into a strong, bold one. The more confidence you have in yourself, the more ability you will develop. Do everything you can to increase your self-confidence. The power of suggestion will help you a great deal. Never pay any attention to the adverse suggestions of others. You know yourself better than they do. There is a lot of power in personal suggestion. Always act in such a way that others will see your improvement. It is a wonderful help to get to be considered progressive and a person who can accomplish things. When we meet a friend on the street, he makes a mental picture of how you appear to him. If you seem to belong to Booster's Club, he is quick to notice it. If you appear to be a member of the Down and Outs, he is equally observant. His opinion of you reflects back to you. If this is as it should be, you receive his suggestion and it will help you. Show by your manner that you are climbing all the time a little bit higher, that you are a coming man. Never for a moment think poorly of yourself or anyone else. There is a place for you in this world and fill it like a man. You can do great things in life just as well as anyone else. By persistently holding positive thoughts, you can create whatever you wish. Keep in mind, nothing comes without a sufficient cause and the cause is a mental one.
Our character is continually being molded by your thoughts. Chapter 7, we're going to skip over it. How to use your personality to win the affection of the opposite sex because it's really just like not something I'm interested in. Uh, chapter 5, 6, 7, 8, we're also going to skip, which is love and courtship. Really not something I'm interested in uh, in relations to the show and the content that we go over in the show. But chapter 9... We're going to pick it up back from chapter 9 with what constitutes a pleasing personality. If you want to be noticed, you must present a good appearance and a pleasing manner. It matters not how much money a person has or how high his social standing or how low his family tree. If he does not present a pleasing personality, he will never be favorite with anyone. You have no idea how important a part personal appearance plays in the future. Personality is a great factor in business success. One of our leading merchants has stated, The man or woman wishing to present to me a business proposition must have a good address and an agreeable manner and a pleasing appearance, or he will not get a hearing, no matter how good the proposition may be. The reason for this is simple and a natural one. It would be impossible to give a hearing to even half the number of persons who approach a businessman with schemes. Therefore, as I must reject the majority of propositions offered to me, I reject without hearing all of those that are not presented by persons who have an agreeable manner and a good address. I take it for granted that a first-class proposition will be presented by a first-class man and vice versa. There is no doubt that this man loses some good opportunities as there are many men who have worked out good propositions to, with a have to failed the importance of developing a pleasing personality. But the opinion voiced by the man here quoted is the way of the world. The development of a pleasing personality is as important as any of the studies taught in our universities. In fact, the personality should be taught in our schools and universities. The remaining part of this chapter will be devoted to showing you how to improve your personality. We all know that a good appearance goes a long way with almost everyone. A position is advertised. The employer comes out and selects different ones for an interview. Does he select those who are slovenly in their dress? No. He selects those who are carefully decisive on their appearance. The person who gets a position and the one who gets promoted is the one who shows by his appearance and manner that he possesses self-respect. I'll read that one more time. The person who gets a position and the one who gets promoted is the one who shows by his appearance and manner that he possesses self-respect. An employer sizing up applicants for positions first considers the following. Neatness of dress, the manner, cleanliness of a person, and lastly, references. If the applicant does not have the former qualifications, he takes no time to investigate references. No matter how much natural ability you may have, you will not get the opportunity to show this if you are not careful of your appearance. So as to make a good impression, the value of first impressions cannot be overestimated. It is a great deal easier to make a favorable first impression than to overcome an unfavorable one. You are studying this work to develop magnetism, and it has been my aim to touch upon everything that can in any way help you. It may be your present opinion that everyone tries to keep their personal appearance the best they can. But keep your eyes open for a few days and see. Watch yourself and see if you should not wear cleaner linen. If your shoes could not look better. If your clothes are pressed and free from spots. If your hair is kept brushed and combed. If your fingernails are perfectly clean. All these things must be given attention. 
People forget that they are judged by their appearance. A person's personality shows in everything he does. There is no exception to this rule. The world judges a man's merit very largely based on the fact of his appearance, and the sooner you learn this, the better. In America and England, all in all, in America and England and in all progressive countries, personal appearance plays an important part. The following is reprinted from the London Dra Draper's Report. Wherever a marked personal care is exhibited for the cleanliness of the person and neatness in dress, there is almost always found extra carefulness as regards the finish of the work done. Work people whose personal habits are slovenly produced sloven work. Those who are careful of their appearance are equally careful of the work they turn out. And probably what is true of the workman is equally true of the region behind the counter. It is not a fact that a smart salesman is usually rather particular about his dress, is averse to wearing dingly collars, frayed cuffs, and faded ties. The truth of the matter seems to be that extra care as regards personal habits and general appearance is as rule indicative of a certain alertness of mind. Much shows itself antagonistic to slovenliness of all kinds. There are many people who have failed in life because they do not realize the importance of keeping up a good appearance. If you want to climb the ladder of success, you must be able to make a good impression upon those with whom you come into contact. Many are traveling to the downward path because of carelessness of their appearance or a disagreeable manner. People condemn themselves before they say a word. They are not given a chance to display their ability. Very few persons are able to judge a diamond in the rough. They are looking for the finished product. In the long run, you will not be given a hearing and your appearance is not good. If you want to succeed, you must be careful of the smallest details of dress. You must improve your manner and appearance in general. You will find very few who possess all the qualities that go to make up a good appearance. The vast majority will lack some of the essentials. Some will be well-dressed and well-mannered, while others are cheerful. Some will also be well-groomed, but you will seldom find one with all of these. You must have them all to make a pleasing appearance. If you lack one of them, you will not have an attractive personality. There is really no good reason why the average person should not have all these essential qualities. You may think it takes a lot of money to be well-dressed, but after careful study, I have come to the conclusion that it costs just about as much to be dressed badly as it must cost to be dressed well. Most of the people who will read this work have enough clothes to look well. I have seen people wearing clothes that cost a great deal of money, yet they do not look as well as those with cheaper clothes. It is not so much what we spend for clothes as it is taste and good judgment that makes the man or woman look well-dressed. The following illustration will show that it does not require so much. A young man bearing a letter of introduction and the recommendation to an office seeking a position for a bookkeeper was invalidated by the young man's appearance. Though but 25, his shoulders were bent, his sentences were uncertain, his eyes wavering, his linen soiled, his necktie askew, his teeth disgustingly black, his fingers unshaven, his fingernails dirty, and his clothes unbrushed. A businessman would not have such a frowsy man about his office. Every one of these faults could have been corrected without expense other than care. Poverty could not be pleaded as an excuse. 
That young man will have a hard time all his life and probably blame his friends, the times, and his luck for his failure when his disgusting sloviness is responsible. One of the great drawbacks to young men seeking advancement in the business world is their carelessness in regard to dress and cleanliness and their neglect to develop an attractive personality. We hear people say that little things should not influence a person of good judgment. True, they should not, but they do. It is the little things that make up the larger ones. There are some who can see the real man despite his defects, but there are few. The average man and woman judges by external uh, appearances. It is useless to say we should not judge a man by his outward appearance. The fact that remains that we do. The only thing to do is to pay attention to your outward appearance and improve it all you can. Much of your success depends on your appearance. The magnetic man will always be well-groomed. He does not leave his room in the morning until his toilet is complete and irreproachable. By paying careful attention to your appearance for a short time, you will soon get this so fixed in your mind that you will find it is just as easy to keep yourself looking well as not to do so. Cleanliness of soul and body raises man to his highest estate. After you once realized the importance of your appearance, make it a habit and surely keep yourself clean and make yourself as attractive as possible. This is not a book on health, but I feel it is imperative that I should call to your attention the following. Take a bath, brush your teeth every morning, and brush your hair every day. If you can afford it, have your fingernails manicured once every two weeks. All these things uh, you can, of course, should do, but I am reminding you to see that you do do it. If you are careless of your teeth, your breath soon becomes foul. Under no circumstances, neglect your teeth. It is easy to preserve them. It is, of course, best to brush them after each meal so as to remove all particles of food. It is best to use tepid water as the best, and the best and also the cheapest thing to use is powdered orris root, which will also help to keep the breath sweet. It is a good thing to occasionally clean the teeth with fine salt. We impress people differently. Some will be favorably impressed by some traits which will jar upon others. To become magnetic and popular, we must be careful that we do not have habits that displease. You want nothing to impede your progress. A person has to be careful not only of what he speaks, but how he speaks. There is a man I know, says a friend, who employs a great number of persons in the course of a year, and yet never sees the face of them. He sits behind curtains in his office and listens to the voice of the applicant for a position as he responds to the questions put by his representative. I believe in the human voice. It doesn't lie as does the manner or general facial expressions. I do not care what a man says. Indeed, I never listen to his words. What I want to hear is the sound of his voice, its intonation, its pitch. You can conceal your real character for a time by your actions, but in your voice, God has written your true character infallibly. It never has betrayed me. There is no question that we are wonderfully influenced by the quality of the voice. In the future, more attention will be paid to the voice than has been in the past. We simply cannot like a person with a voice that rasps our nerve. All of our physical qualities, the most important is the eye. The eye is the mirror of the soul, and through them, our character is disclosed. If a person cannot look at us in the eye, we cannot have any confidence in them. 
One of our larger employees of men and women says he is guided by his selection of applicants for positions largely by the expressions of their eyes. There, he says, I read honestly or deceit, intelligence or dullness, courage or cowardice. I place little confidence in a shifty-eyed individual, even though he have every other point in his favor. A direct glance from clear, bright eyes wins and compels respect. Clear, honest eyes indicate a sound and vigorous mind and body. They are most desirable in salespeople. They will attract customers. It is an old saying that the eye cannot lie. A criminal is not afraid that he will tell of his deeds, but he is afraid that he will display his guilt in his eye. This is the reason he will not look at you. Police officers understand this. That is why they get squarely in front of a criminal and compel him to look them in the eye. When they are innocent, they prove their innocence right there. By this test, many an officer has reported to his chief that his suspect was not guilty and should be freed. You may teach your faculties to lie, your manner to be deceptive, but it is hard to make the eyes tell anything but the truth. The eye needs training as well as every other part of the body. Your personality will be greatly improved by an honest, straightforward look. No one can hurt you with their eyes. When you are talking to a person, look him straight in the eye. All timidity should be overcome. The timid person cannot appear natural. He will appear stiff, cold, reserved, and yet he may be just the opposite. A person who is embarrassed will not display his originality. He is afraid he will attract attention. People of this kind will never attract admiration. Their timidity closes the doors against admiration. They continually put off what should be done at once. In this way, they lose many opportunities they might have grasped. Shyness has been the cause of defeat for many other wise, brilliant men and women. Shy people never have much magnetic power because of their retiring nature. They repel friends instead of attracting them. They are afraid to act as they feel. The result is that they are not sought after, no matter how fine a character they may be. There are strong men with remarkable abilities that, no matter what the gathering, they soon find themselves all alone. They do not wish to be thus neglected, but they involuntarily choose their conditions. These same men have the qualities that would make them popular, but they are not developed. There are others who have not had half their natural qualifications who far outstrip them in both business and social life. Shyness is a purely mental characteristic. Most of it is caused by imagination. When a person is shy, he thinks that whatever he is doing or saying, someone is looking at him or listening to him. I have cured a number of my students by a very simple method. It is this... No matter what you are doing, never look around to see if someone is watching you. Whatever you have to do, go ahead and do it and never think whether you are being watched or not. I generally require a student to do something in his own way, and I have several people watching him and making remarks about his awkwardness. I then show that his awkwardness is due to the fact that he is watching the other people instead of paying attention to what he is doing. In a very short time, he loses that awkwardness entirely. Instead of avoiding people, make it a habit to always have something to say. When you go out to a party or reception, stay in the bunch and be one of them. Be ready to do what the rest of the company want to do. I was very shy, said Cindy Smith. I was always shy, said Sydney Smith, but it was not long before I made two very useful discoveries. First, that all mankind was not solely employed in watching me and that shaming was more of no use. 
and that the world was very clear-sighted and soon estimated a man at his true value. This cured me. You cannot take your rightful place in life until you have conquered your shyness. You will find it a little difficult at first, but every time you conquer yourself, when you notice a tendency to shrink from something, you should do, you will find it easier the next time. Soon you will see that there is no reason why you should be shy and boldness will accomplish a great deal more. I had for a student a man who was compelled to be before the public a great deal of the time. He was naturally very sensitive and suffered a great deal over what others might say about him. He had tried various methods to overcome this weakness, but could not. Finally, after being almost driven to desperation, he came to me and said, Professor Dumont, I want you to cure me of my awkwardness and teach me how to act so that I will not be ridiculed and criticized all the time. It seems no matter what I do, I blunder. I told him that would be a very easy thing to do. My first instructions was to become utterly indifferent to people's opinions of him, to ignore what they said or thought about him. After the first lesson, his shyness began to disappear, and in a short time, he was entirely free from it. He acted in his natural way. He did what he thought was right instead of wondering what people would think or say about him. A young, unhappy, awkward, self-conscious, blundering girl was transformed into a graceful, attractive, well-poised girl who could meet strangers with perfect composure and carry herself with ease and grace in any society. I first told her her possibilities and then aroused her to conquer the weakness which had been the cause of her unhappiness. I then had her repeat the following at least 10 times a day. I am going to meet people as if they were human beings, not judgment seats. I will not always wonder whether I shall please them. I shall wonder a little just at first whether they are going to please me. This will help anyone suffering from self-consciousness. The one great secret of curing shyness is to get your mind away from yourself. Don't ever think about the impression you may be making on someone. Just be your own natural self. And you will find yourself as a more attractive and magnetic individual. Always aim to be original. Originality makes the dullest person interesting. Some points to be remembered. From the habit of saying pleasant things to others. Don't look for a person's faults. Look for their good traits. If someone has done you a wrong, forget it. Always be ready to forgive. You can never be magnetic while you hold a grudge or cherish an unforgiving spirit. You will never be popular if you look for the bad instead of the good in others. Aim to be good-natured and cheerful. Be ever ready with a smile and a good word for those who need sympathy. Chapter 10. The Wonderful Power Within Us You can do everything you ever dreamed or imagined you could do if you could utilize all the power within you. This may sound impossible to some. I was at a theater where a hypnotist was performing when I first heard the above thought expressed. The hypnotist saw a man that showed he doubted him. The hypnotist said, My friend, I see you doubt what I have just said. I do, said the man. My friend, I am going to prove that I can do the impossible. You see that young man sitting beside you? Do you think it would be possible for me to take him and put his head over on one chair and his feet on another and have five men stand on his stomach? No, sir, that would be impossible, as he is nothing but a frail youth. The hypnotist said, all right, you consider this impossible, do you not? Yes, sir, was the answer. The hypnotist asked the young man to step up to the stage. He hypnotized him, 
placed his head at one chair, his feet on another, and he asked six good-sized men from the auditorium to stand on this man, which they did without any harm to the young man. This only shows what would be possible for you to do if you could just think you could do it. While under the influence of hypnotism, the subject loses control of his mental powers. The hypnotist gains control and can make the subject do anything that he makes a strong mental picture of. If this young man could support six men while under the influence of hypnotism, he could do it in his natural state if he could just think he could do it. You might search the whole world and could not find a strong man that could equal this feat of the youth. Where did the power come from? The hypnotist could not have conveyed this power to him. He must have had it in him. This was just what he had. The hypnotist just made him use it. This is an example given to show you that you have wonderful latent powers and if you only learn to use them, you will be able to do some wonderful things. We all have great wealth of power within us. It only takes some emergency to bring it out. There have been cases where invalids of years have gotten up and walked out when the house caught on fire and they knew there was no one near to help them. They have escaped in no such way that it would seem only the strongest of men could have done. How could they suddenly possess this power? It shows that we have wonderful power within us, and if we only command it, it will come. You have powers within, which if you could ever discover and use, would make you everything you have ever desired to be. In time to come, we will have fewer physical doctors and more mental doctors. We know that by driving away pessimistic, bitter, and angry thoughts, we can avoid sickness and misfortune to a great extent. We will realize that by cultivating a kinder and happier frame of mind, it will bring us health and good luck. The time will come when a mental doctor will be able to analyze a person's character and tell what thoughts are discordant and vicious and injuring his personality. We hear people talking of their fate. The weak ones are controlled by the forces. The strong ones control the forces. Things have just the power over us that we permit them. When you are unhappy, distressed, Blue and worried, it is a mental poison only. You should be able to relive it by mental processes. In former ages, we were not advanced far enough to understand the philosophy of loving our enemies. But now, we can understand it. If we hate them, we are the sufferers. If we love them, we are the beneficiaries. By changing hatred thoughts to love, we make a friend instead of an enemy. Love cannot make an enemy. An enemy can do us a lot of harm. We are the gainers, you see. It is a scientific fact that what qualities we try to see in another, we find. If we are looking for the noble, clean, and true qualities, these come to meet our own, providing we have them. If we show our bad qualities, we will likely draw them out of theirs. If we are mean, jealous, and envious, displaying our brute side, these are the traits we see in others. Thoughts crystallize into actual things. What we feel in our heart, harbor in our mind, think about, dream about, we will in time develop from these tiny seeds into full growth. Hating someone will not develop your love qualities. A revenge seed cannot bring you anything but trouble. If we want to have friends, we must be friendly. If we want love, we must have love. Whatever you send to another draws out of them the same kind of qualities. There is a law that regulates thought which works out just as true as any other law. In India, the developed yogis say, If a man purposely does me wrong, I will return him my ungrudging love. 
The more evil comes from him, the more good shall go from me. The developed person of this coming day will understand how injurious and discordant thoughts and will no more think of letting them into his mind than he would of taking them out on some deadly poison. You present character in the result of the life you have lived. An adept at character reading does not have to inquire of your past history to unmask your real traits. He is able to read at a glance your thoughts and desires. When we see a face that is all tired and sour, you can tell the owner of the face never thought of beauty and joy, but instead lived a selfish and vicious life. When we see a face that shows a pleasant and agreeable disposition, we know that a person has lived an unselfish, harmonious life. We hear people say, isn't he or she lucky? They have never had any trouble in their lives. It may seem that way, but the reason is that they have not let every little thing disrupt their equanimity. Equanimity. They have lived a beautiful and sweet life. Their nature is harmonious, and therefore they are not discordant. They never speak anything but good of others, and in turn, no one speaks anything but good of them. They do not make enemies, and therefore they do not have others storing up trouble for them. Those that envy them are probably crabbed, ugly, and cross disposition. They are continually misunderstanding others and being misunderstood themselves. Their lives are discordant and they attract everything discordant. It is impossible to harbor secret hatreds, jealousies, grudges, and to be always looking for revenge without hurting your own self. These kinds of people wonder why no one cares for them, why they are unpopular, why their company is never wanted. They never think the causes lie in themselves. Their revengeful and ugly radiation kills their magnetism. If you want to be magnetic and popular, you must radiate kindly, helpful, sympathetic, and loving thoughts, and feel friendly towards everyone. Let there be no room in your makeup for bitterness, hatred, or envy. Never try to get something that does not belong to you, that you have not had a right to. The coming man will realize that discordant thoughts and taking advantage of another can cause nothing but injury and no lasting benefit. He will thoroughly realize that the law adjusts everything, that it does not pay to try to cheat justice, equity, honesty, and that it does pay to be unselfish. He will do the right thing because it will bring him his just desserts, joy, peace, and prosperity. We learn the meaning of the golden rule more and more each year. The time will come when we will think only of doing the right thing instead of the wrong. Chapter 11. Vital Magnetism You must all realize that it would be very harmful if everyone possessed strong magnetic power and used it for the purpose of gaining control over others and compelling them to carry out his wishes. Nature understands this and you have to be capable of knowing how to use power, you will have it. There are some people that will have such a strong mental power that it gives them an immediate control over others. These people use their power to a limited extent, but if they knew more of personal magnetism, they could accomplish a great deal more. The person with less mental power, if he studies three's lessons, will be able to accomplish more than the one with strong power underdeveloped. Very often I have the questions asked me, uh, do you think people could develop magnetism if they were incapable of using it correctly? My reply is, you can develop yourself a great deal, but you yourself will have to determine whether you are capable of having great knowledge. We all may become magnetic and be able to influence some people, 
Your success will naturally depend on the development of your mental organization, and you will have to do all you can to conserve and build up strength and stop any habits that will weaken or impoverish you. The fact that everyone radiates magnetism can no longer be denied. That this magnetic fluid can be wonderfully increased, we know. The best methods of doing this will be found in the following instructions. The eyes are the means by which we communicate our inner intentions to another, and therefore we should see that these organs are cultivated to the highest possible extent. We use the eyes to express, and if you will make a close examination, you will find that the eyes determine the first impression whether it is good or bad. You may develop a steady, clean, and very penetrative eye by looking at yourself in a mirror. You will find that there are very few persons who can look you straight in the eye while talking to you. Look at the mirror and practice keeping the eyes fixed without winking. Imagine that you actually look at another person, a person you want to affect by your influence. Not only look at your eyes in the glass, but concentrate your thoughts through the eyes. I had a student one time that changed himself in a few days by means of looking glass. He had always been in the habit of looking downward when he talked, never looked anyone in the eye. In my first lesson, I told him to look into the mirror and smile. Now, I said, do you notice that you have a very attractive pair of eyes? He said, I see I have, but I don't know it before. This is the trouble with most people. They do not know that they have eyes for numerous uses. LOL. They do not know that the eyes have numerous uses. I'm leaving this here. Uh, in, in taking exercises, be careful that you do not strain or irritate them. Just as you feel your eyes tiring, close the exercise with a quick magnetic glance in the mirror, just as if you met someone you wanted to impress. You will find at first it will be hard to keep your eyes from winking and keeping the lids back, but you will be able to do this in a short time. In the beginning, you will probably not be able to continue the exercise for over a minute. But in short time, you will find that you can look at an object for some time. This will bring your mind into the exercise and you will find that by keeping track of the minutes, there is a certain amount of interest to see how long you can keep your eyes concentrated on the second hands without blinking. Another good exercise to put more expression in your eyes while you are talking to someone is to look steadily in their eyes and speak every word as if it were through a visual sieve. Never stare look fierce unless you really want to frighten them. By a little practice, you can cultivate the eyes and they can be controlled as you wish them. And you can focus at one point for an indefinite amount of time. But never overtax or strain them. If you can gently slap a person on the shoulder in a more artful than a bold way and at the same time concentrate your mind upon the contact and willing that you emit a current of your magnetism to them, you will find that in many cases he will experience a tingling feeling of warmth or a noticeable shock as from an electric battery. There is no one that is not susceptible to magnetism, but there is a big difference in people. Those that have a powerful mentality could only be influenced by another exceedingly powerful mentality. Before you can influence another, they must be in a passive or open mind. Those that you think you could least affect would be the easiest for you to affect. Never try to influence a person when they are excited, nervous, or under great anxiety of mental trouble. If these conditions exist, try to remove them by sympathy, cheerfulness, and your assurance that everything will probably turn out right in the end. The more passive a person is, the easier he is to affect. 
The hands can be made a powerful means of imparting your magnetic fluid to others if your hands are naturally soft and silky. And perspire freely, it is of great help as they are magnetic fluid outlets. But if your hands are not so, that they must be made so by rubbing them with a good oil every night. Also rub your hands together a good deal. In this way, your circulation is increased. This will soften and freshen them up and cause the magnetic fluid to flow more freely. Whenever you have the chance of placing your hands on one you wish to influence, you should do it. And at the same time, you will that that you are imparting a flow of your magnetism to them. This will arouse the force within you and increase your magnetic power. It will probably be new to most that of your lower extremities are of the very great importance in applying magnetic force. As you use your hands, your feet are throwing off streams of vitality which is assisting you, although you are not aware of it. There is a very powerful magnetic current flowing through the toes and there have been some wonderful things done by people with their toes that did not have hands. It is a matter of fact that the feet are generally well adapted for the flow of magnetism. By being protected by shoes, they are naturally softer. By walking, they become warmer and more moist and emit the vital fluid very easily. They do not need any particular cultivating. All you have to do is to become conscious that they are capable of imparting the force. Just remember that your feet will do their part. Light shoes with suitable stockings should be worn. Never wear heavy shoes that will not give your feet some freedom. The tighter the feet are encased, the more difficult for the vital force to get out. Cool. You know, I actually also wanted to, uh, now that we're done with chapter 11, I also just kind of wanted to chat and uh, reiterate some ideas. Specifically, the biggest ideas that we've been grappling with in season three, i.e. the way that the subconscious mind makes sense of a divine energy. Uh, and over the last couple of weeks, I've been kind of just like trying to frame that in a new light. And I think that I finally have some sort of like correspondence. So like a way I've seen it in like this new light has kind of been like, so we know about recursions, we know about isomorphisms, and technically the divinity that we are trying to draw information from slash communicate with or like share ideas with, etc. That is like the pinnacle of existence for us, right? Like that's like the top. And in the nature of recursions and isomorphisms and like just these concretizing loops, like we know that isomorphisms are made up of a bunch of little points that are carrying over into other spheres or slash realms of existence. And we know that the recursions occur, well, the, the recursions are really what create the personality. It's the actions and, well, I mean, yeah, recursively speaking, the actions and the information that we produce in specific circumstances. And when these, when these actions are reproduced, we can see, all right, so this is like me acting out of my my higher power, my lower power, but like this is obviously me, like these actions that consistently overlap, that is my essence. Or wherever, like for example, it, um, I know that, uh, for very simple, very, very simple terminology, but it could be kind of like, uh, I wake up consistently no matter where I am at like 5 a.m. All right, so a personality trait of mine is I wake up at 5 a.m. But like a little bit deeper would be, okay, so the way that like you, you adopt patterns or you kind of see like that, 
things kind of go in a specific way in one in one avenue uh, being kind of like all right the bookshelf is organized in a specific way and then like you could kind of see that you are also analytical in other terms like it's like you notice patterns that other people don't and you could say like all right a personality trait of mine or a essence of myself is uh i i I see patterns and things that other people don't so uh, you know, that, that kind of becomes a recursion because it's been trial and error or repetition and habit that have concretized and that have reinforced specific abilities or specific mentalities inside of yourself. So these isomorphisms create these overlaps in like time and they create like a sort of timestamp and all of these individual isomorphisms will represent a sort of variable. And when these variables are represented as an observed thing, they're going to become kind of like particles in space and time. And that timestamp or that progression in time is going to create like a density, right? And that weight in time is going to create like the experience of the isomorphism. So the point really is, how does consciousness express itself through the use of isomorphisms and recursions across the spectrum of time and space and different incarnations? Then you start with one concept seen as like the idea of the isomorphism being overlapped or repeating across time. And every time that an isomorphism reaches the relative eye that is required to intersect with in order to achieve specific wisdom there will be a chain of reactions or events that would have occurred given the initial dimensional eye like it's going to be like a storyline or like a quest or something like that it's going to be specific information that only your eye or that eye can develop or acquire in order to progress those ideas and isomorphisms further into space so like in other words like if you're faced with a similar congruence of events in the past you would have been gaining the congruence of the past experience and adding it to this experience so it's kind of like how does the nature of humanity interact with the archetype that ties into the bigger concept of well yeah the different archetypes and pantheons and all this stuff but it's like when these archetypes intersect there's like a sort of binary repetition which is going back into the concept of isomorphisms and recursions it's more so a it's an explicit chain of events that occur in the yeah like in the pantheon of interactions with the relative well like i mean the akashic records the akashic masters in that akashic realm um you could kind of see it in uh, in those kind of terms i know that this is like really fragmented or a little a little mm. okay but how does that look like in well 3d life let's say that we have our chief definite aim and we have a deep and passionate understanding of what it is that our desire is trying to lead us down in the sense that, okay, well, my motivation for what I do in the morning is in order to progress to this goal. 
And now that you have this goal in mind, you also want to be able to use the senses of how, like, all right, if these are actions that I can do, then how do I know that I need to do this first or that second? Well, yeah, that's going to be because of the past experiences that you've gone into and the wisdom that you've gained. Like, like for example, like a specific breathing pattern while you're learning, uh, while you're running. So it's like before you learned it, because you were given that knowledge by either like a book or a coach or something like that, you think back on that. And in that time space, you're like, you're connected to that past experience. And that information wasn't just like, like that was learned information, but it was already present when you were ready to achieve it. Like it's, um, you re you didn't have a necessity for the wisdom until you reached the specific threshold in your life that was pushing you to find a new answer for the information or for the journey that you were on to get the results that you were looking for so really it's like a it's like a baseline of uh, your of your well of yourself your eye becomes the baseline that carries over and like the process of actually gaining wisdom is only because it's like once you apply everything you know, you're ready to like like the meta, the meta of well, yeah, the meta, not necessarily like the metaverse, but meta as in the what works and what everything is being used for. And like the for example, in like a fighting game, a meta uh, would be the players that are consistently going to help you finish in like top three if you're going to tournaments or like that's essentially what a meta is um objects that work and give results for well yeah uh, the things that give you the results that you're looking for so it's like what are you using to expand your current meta and that is still kind of like a fragment because of the fact that like all right so how do I say this? Um, if we're talking about magnetism, then we all know that we have our own personal magnetism that is our, like, let's say our code, right? So, like, you're not the first person with this magnetic code. Like, in the past, there have been other people similar to you that have had the similar magnetic code. And these individuals, you could say they're you, but, like, I mean, you're only you right now here in this experience. But the people with the similar magnetic signature have had similar... Um, I guess you could say quest lines and uh, through studying or through learning about people with similar magnetic signatures, you could kind of see how they interacted with that. And I mean, if you want to take it to like a deep, a step deeper with the reincarnation and the whole thing of the soul, sure, that magnetic signature is you, but you and your soul, not you as yourself. And when you are trying to do something, it's because of the fact that you have a chief definite aim that you're trying to progress. And let's say you've been progressing and progressing it, but there's like a there's like an ultimate definite aim that is kind of like the the intention of the soul. And you don't just acquire this in one lifetime. This requires many lifetimes, right? So how are you going to leave messages for yourself in a future life that you can find from a past life? That's how you're going to want to be able to see this information. So follow this a little bit closer 
So you now realize that, like, so now we now establish the fact that, all right, so the soul just looks in past. So that's kind of the cycle that's going to be repeating until you reach the divine center that is free of all. Well, it's like beyond infinite intelligence, like infinite intelligence is the hub. But what holds infinite intelligence? That is essentially what you want to penetrate through because infinite intelligence is everything. But once you reach everything, like through everything, there is nothing. So that's essentially what you're trying to penetrate through with all these like recursive ideas. You're trying like, cause it's like it's spiraling up and down in reference to whatever vibration, but it's seeing beyond that spiral. It's seeing beyond that and understanding that it's a part of a cog, but you are not necessarily supposed to be in charge of like, like, yes, you are supposed to be in charge of the entire machine, but not as a cog. When you are experiencing the reality of a cog, just stay as a cog or like as a stepping stone or as like a puzzle piece, whatever it is that you want to see it. But um, it's understanding that like the soul itself is trying to like the soul is what the divine is. Like ultimately the self is what uh, reduces the divine essence into a personality and into actions and events that are relative to the self. But ultimately, the spark of infinity that is given into the actual experience known as the life is ultimately just the soul that is the spark that comes. It's only a spark, but it's still enough of a spark for it to be itself. Like like how sponges reproduce by budding. Um, hello, uh, I don't know why I said it like that, but like just like sponges reproduce by budding, like the soul is still like, oh, if a SpongeBob breaks in half, there's going to be two SpongeBobs. The soul sends a piece of it, and now there's two pieces of the soul. But when it steps into the body, the vessel, or we could think about it in a sort of manner like Titanfall. When the body steps into, when the pilot steps into the Titan, the Titan is what's in control, even though the pilot is what's uh, giving it the information. It's a little bit deeper when it comes to the soul incarnating into the body because of the fact that the soul loses its, like, well, there is no such thing as identity when the soul steps into it. So the soul goes from being nothing to being something. Therefore, all past experiences or all past realities of being void are null in the sense that now you are becoming and inside of that cycle, from becoming to ending, it's only an illusion because you return to the void that is your true nature. If you choose to be like, all right, this is what the void, this is what the soul is, and like you realize that you're just following yourself, like you're just like the divinity that you hear. That's really you, even though it's not just you. Like it's the you that could save. You know how the saying goes that only you can save yourself. That is exactly what I mean. Like I know that there's a lot of fragment information in the sense that it's not necessarily fragmented in the terms that it's like there's no linearity but it's very cryptic and that's the thing with this kind of information like that's why it's so hard to talk about because it goes into so many realms and realities that like unless you're really open to understanding it you're not going to really be able to see it because of the fact that well you're going to be too obsessed over judging it and trying to find untruth within it that you won't be able to truly understand the core message and therefore you'll be lost in the crypticity 
uh, very similarly to like how all other religions and how all other schools of thought uh, tend to kind of like have a general teaching or like a mainstream teaching. And within that same mainstream teaching, there are secondary truths that would only be revealed to the people who are openly looking for that sort of information, who are openly attuned and in harmony with that sort of information. Very cool team. Well, I think that I just wanted to kind of share this little bit of information. Uh, just thought I could kind of be like, yo guys, you see, I'm still here. I still have information to share with you guys, even though we are currently reading books because of the fact that, well, it's necessary to have both. You have like your foundation of teachings and then you have like your actual extrapolation and like what the actual teacher teaches you rather than like what the book is telling you. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm recording this on 1223 right now. So happy holidays. So happy holidays. We're currently in Yule until the 1st of January. Um, I wanted to upload this on the 21st, but I mean, whatever, it's 23rd. Um, yeah, guys, well, I'm so happy to have finally completed this episode. Um, I think I'm going to keep the, the new, like no music feel going at least for a little bit longer. Maybe I'll actually just put me, I don't know. I just, I like it specifically because of the fact that like, I can just be listening to myself if I'm like, let's say I'm playing a video game or some shit like that, or if I'm like running or some shit like that, or I'm just, I'm doing something like, uh, I don't get distracted by like the music and I could just kind of like focus on that specifically. Like if I'm playing like a video game on like the video game console and I decide to like play my podcast through Spotify, I could just continue playing the game and listening to the music at the same time. <laughs> anyway, um, that's just the truth for me. Um, but I'll just, I'll see how it goes. I'll see how it feels. Um, and also like stay safe.